Welcome to episode 11 of Poor Decisions. My name is Ronan Collins, or Whiskey for Breakfast. And my name is Michael Cowman, or The Cowman Show. Episode 11. Well done, us. Yeah, well done. Thanks, everybody. Thanks to the dozens and dozens of you (laughs) who've tuned in for the journey. Yeah, and to celebrate that, we have got something special. Uh, I think this is a mark of the hospitality where we are. Mm -hmm. This is a 1952 Jemison, all right? Uh, This is quite cool. I actually... uh, Love this because it's bottled uh, by Jay Donahue and Escorthy. So if it's a 1952, so until 1962, what Jemison did was they tended to sell their casks out and people would bottle mm. them themselves individually. Um, it wasn't until 1962 when Crested 10 was introduced that they brought everything in-house. Yeah. But this dates from that older period, that uh, yeah 50s period, would have been the Bow Street Distillery, I think this would have been distilled in. So this is a really cool piece of history. But like that, there's all like great information and stuff, which... Yeah. Uh, I have kind of not listened to because Enniscorthy, that's where you used to go to the disco as a kid. That's who I played uh, rugby for. That's where I went to disco as a kid. <laughs> and I tell you, there hasn't been many bottles of whiskey bottled in Enniscorthy since then. I think so, that's way better. Yeah, so, that's quite uh, cool. Yeah, so uh, cheers. Slauncha. I know, slauncha. To another 11 episodes. Mmm. Oh, delicious. Um, mm. Oh, yeah. Big, oh, yeah. creamy, oily pot still this look like yeah yeah delicious tastes like whiskey so today we are in brewery corner in kilkenny city yeah kilkenny city it is very important to state that it is a city it has a cathedral um it's a city of about twenty-seven thousand people mm-hmm. so you know it is one of our smaller cities but it is a, a medieval really, city it is a medieval you walk city. around and it's almost like you're an extra in game of thrones yeah you know, and it is known as the marble city why because uh, the game of marbles was invented. No. Uh, so there's a local stone. It's Kilkenny Black Limestone. And they call that marble. And a lot of the buildings are built out of it. So hence the marble, the marble city. Is it just because it looks like marble? It's not marble. It's limestone. Yeah, I'm not really. I'm not a geologist. I don't know. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I think it is. And it, neither it, are the people of Kilkenny, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> it's limestone, lads. But no, it is a great city. Uh, it's a great place to come out for a few drinks. Yeah. I mean, you haven't been here a huge amount of times. No, only been here uh, once, and that was passing through to like distilleries and stuff. But uh, isn't there some mad fact that there's like three thousand bars per person or something in this time? Oh, uh, the way the way the uh, demographics work out or yeah. whatever. Uh, yeah, it is a huge drink in town, and that is again. I think I feel like we always come back to this: stags and hen parties um, mm. are massive in Kilkenny, but it is a great city for a night out. I'm only from forty minutes down the road. Uh, 45 minutes down the road so we used to come up here a bit but yeah great city and inevitably you'll end up in a place called the left bank which is up there road, massive old school bit of a nightclub kind of kind of vibes you okay. know so, yeah but a city well worth coming for a few drinks I haven't been there yet but maybe someday uh, but kind of when you walk around town obviously you see all the like castles and turrets and yeah like any castle you know nice grounds uh, in the city here other things it's known for hurling you know quite famous for hurling I suppose hurling, not a, not a thing in down, not a thing in down. So um, anytime I would hear of hurling, you would just think Kilkenny like straight away. Yeah, well they they have been reasonably good over the years. Um, and obviously I'm from Wexford, we're next door. So most of the time I was spending in Kilkenny was coming up to Nolan Park, which is the stadium here, okay. to watch us get absolutely roasted by Kilkenny for many many years. Um, in the last few years, it's turned around a little bit. Okay, but, but they keep winning all Ireland's occasionally, and you know we still win. Fuck all. Uh, so, you know, that's fine. Uh, d- sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say then drinks-wise, just to bring it away from the, the sad loss when you play Kilkenny and Hurling. But um, one thing that a lot of people might know about Kilkenny is it's the home of Smithicks. Yeah. 
home of Smithix, uh, Red Ale. Red Ale, yeah. Uh, I think we, we looked at the stats recently and, you know, Ireland is 55% lager, 35% um, stout, stout, and then like 5%, I think maybe it was 5% cider and then like 2.5% Red Ale or Ale. Mm. So Ale isn't as big a thing in Ireland as, say, in, in the UK where Ale is huge, but Kilkenny, that Red Ale is, yeah, is a huge part of... Uh, Kilkenny Asmidix is now owned by Diageo, I think. Um, okay. But there is, it's not made here anymore, but there is a Smithix experience that you can go and do a little tour around and stuff. So there is definitely a, a drinks heritage to Kilkenny as yeah. well. Yeah, absolutely. And then Red Book of Ossery. Yeah, the Red Book of Ossery. And this is something uh, when we, we get our guest on, he, he knows a lot more about this than yeah. I do. But it was one of the first mentions anywhere ever of Ishkabar or whiskey. Yeah, that that's quite a... Claim to fame as well, I guess. Proving that Ireland invented whiskey. You're welcome, world. Yeah. Uh, there's Somebody sent me that meme the other day. It's, if you look on Wikipedia, it's inventions from Ireland and <laughs> whiskey. And then there's a 300-year gap to the next, the next invention. Uh, you know, that was just because back in the day, things weren't recorded. That's all. That's Kilkenny in a nutshell. Just some quite, you know, there's some quite cool stories. You've some quite cool bars. Um, you've, you know, we, maybe we'll touch on some witch trials. Who knows? That's but, right, yeah, there's a, it's Witch Town, eh? Uh, well, there is there is a story. So there's a bar here in town called Kittler's Inn. Okay. Um, and really, really cool bar if you're here. But there was a story that this woman, Alice Kittler, in the 1300s, so I think she went through like four or five husbands, okay. which in the 1300s, people start to get suspicious. Um, and so eventually she ended up being burned at the stake as a witch. Um, and I think she may have been the last person burned at the stake in Ireland as a witch. Um, but because she burned... Does that mean that she wasn't a witch? Well, witches don't exist, Ronan, so... That's because we burned them all. Yeah. And That's... we got rid of all the snakes. So you're welcome. Yeah. World, you're welcome. No <laughs> snakes and no witches in Ireland. But we brought whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that seems like a good opportunity to get our guest in because he definitely knows a lot more about the city and a lot more about the history. And everything else, to yeah, be honest. Than, yeah. So we're in Brewery Co- Corner. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Mr. Chris Hennessy, one of the managers here, is going to come and have a little chat with us. Deadly. Come on in, Chris. How are you, Chris? All going well. Yourselves? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, good. I mean, welcome to your bar. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, we're here in Brewery Corner in Kilkenny. Welcome back to Kilkenny. Yeah, great place to be. Why would you want to be anywhere else? Running you... for the second time and Michael once every couple of months. Yeah, when you can be in the sunny southeast, why wouldn't you be? Very true. It was very sunny that day we were in the sunny southeast. It's mm. raining today. It was sunny up until they landed. It was raining as soon as he landed. And by they, he means the crew. That's how we refer to them. <laughs> Those behind the scenes. Uh, uh, so Brewery Corner, uh, this is your like kind of like love child. You've curated it from like nothing. This is my safe space. Your safe uh, space. Yes. Um, was it a, this is year 18 in the industry. This is the lovely place I get to come in, walk around and move everything where I want it to be <laughs> and decorate everything eventually the way I want it to be. So this is a, this is a bit of fun. Because uh, every whiskey in the building, every cocktail, everything comes down to myself and the guys. Lovely team's decisions, so we're happy out. Is this, you've pulled out this uh, little bottle here, right? Is this yeah. representative of what you're trying to do in here, or is this... Uh, this would be one of the few tastings that um, myself and Ryan have been kind of doing over the last year and a half, where um, 
we use the likes of Anthony and Irish Whiskey Auctions and a few little curators like that and pick out some nuggets that mightn't necessarily have the greatest looking labels, yeah. but uh, liquid level is obviously the most important thing about it, cork conditions and everything like that. Yeah. And uh, picking up little nuggets around that are representative of something certain eras. Tell us a little bit about this bottle because I think it's important. Mm. You just pulled this out, uh, so I think it's important we, yeah. we give this a little bit of time before we move on to the rest because it is quite a yeah. special bottle. This one is from circa 1952. Um, the person who originally bought it uh, moved out of Ireland in 53, so we know it's no older than that. Or sorry, no younger than that. Uh, it's a seven-year-old pure pot still. Um, not a drop sold, it was seven years old. Mm -hmm. Would have been the original sticker on the bottom. That's since disappeared. Yeah. This one was uh, whipped out for a tasting about 10 weeks ago. Um, it was a Jameson era tasting. So this was something uh, from the old Bow Street distillery. And then the next five pours were from Bow Street down to Middleton and then distilled in Middleton physically itself. Uh, there was four different 12 year olds and then the uh, Macroni edition, the original oh, yeah, yeah. version of the gold. So it was just showing the, the process of uh, what they were doing on Bow Street, different types of cereals they were using until they got to Middleton until some of the liquid 100% done in cork. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm glad I got that right because I said Bow Street and I'm, you did. I'm yeah, so yeah. I'm, I'm happy. And that was without any information beforehand, so I'm mm. happy about that. You nailed it. And like Chris, so uh, you obviously do the, you, you find these super rare bottles and you like host them here yeah. in Brewery Corner. But behind us, you can see, you also have all the modern stuff and you kind of go out of your way to make sure that uh, Irish whiskey is represented. And then right behind us here, uh, you've got just tons and tons of cocktails. So you kind of blend both worlds together. We sneak in as many Irish ingredients as humanly possible and try use all the smaller distilleries, smaller brands, um, just to give them a little bit of a boost. Because in fairness, I know it, the venue isn't massive. It only sits uh, 63 people. But if you can do X amount of cases a year of a very small brand, it's a big boost for them. It's another kind of uh, tick in the box. They get the money back in. They can afford marketing to do bigger projects in bigger spaces. Yeah, I mean, when we, you look at the menu, you have everything called out on the menu. You have your cologne. You have, pa you have Panger, which is again Cologne, Dingle, uh, Hennessy, that must be your own brand, is it? Uh, <laughs> Great, Copeland, you know, you have seven a huge... generations back. But yeah. yeah, but you have a huge uh, variety of stuff from all over the island. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. so, and you're a big supporter of doing stuff that's a little bit, I guess that other bars aren't doing a huge amount of like Kilahora and places like that as well. I, you'll find Kilahora in a lot of uh, five-star places, and we'll, we'll pretend that we are too um, <laughs> by sneaking in. But no, it, they're just one of the smaller brands that are very famous in Cork at the moment. But yeah. outside of Cork, we're beginning to hear about them. It's kind of like here, 1661, and a few different places around. And the work in which they're doing behind the scenes is extremely just, and they deserve a little bit of a platform. Well, they've been, so they've been around for about 50 years, I think, haven't they? Uh, but there's... Uh, now is maybe, their time maybe to one shine. of the two yeah, of you. Yeah. Maybe one of the two he asked earlier on. So what's the story with them? Yeah. So if they've been around for fifty years, again, a lot of things have been around for a couple hundred years in Cork. That yeah. If, yeah, Laurie might have told us about. Yeah. Uh, so we mentioned there in the intro just about Kilkenny, yeah. and we talked about the Red Book of Ossery, mm. and you know a bit more about it than us. You actually decided that. to recreate. Mm. You the, translated it from Latin? Or you sorry, you didn't personally. I didn't you, personally. But you got it translated yeah. from Latin mm -hmm. to English. From a couple of different people because Latin is one of those funny languages that when you read it, you interpret it. The next person reads it, interprets it. The Not book, funny, ha ha. 
just in case mm, more like funny ah oh, my face is sore yeah. yeah compounded latin is essentially when you skip and the of at all sorry i'm gonna stop you there yeah did you think you'd be hearing about <laughs> compounded latin today on poor decisions you didn't but anyway keep going um so you compounded, ask, you yeah i know i'm yeah. sorry i did now <laughs> uh, but yeah so a five word sentence is realistically about 16 words okay. was filling in the gaps okay. um two and a half pages of what was wrote is realistically about 16 pages long word of information um the only thing i was able to uh, contribute to is um, back when I was growing up my mum would have had loads of flowers and herbs and spices and when you buy them they come with little flags and the flags will say the Latin names yeah, and the English mm -hmm. names mm -hmm. when it came to the, some of the ingredients straight away you're like ah that's cinnamon that's ginger that's grand yeah and sorry the reason you wanted to translate it was because you wanted an ingredient list what was it an ingredient so, list but for? essentially anyone who doesn't know what we're actually talking about right now that possible original Irish whiskey mm -hmm recipe that was written mm. in Red Book Austria, you and other Latin aficionados mm. depicted it to try and remake the actual yeah. liquid itself. It would have started off with a challenge from um, the lovely Fanon O'Connor. Uh, it gets a lot of mentions on he this. Does, he does, yeah. and he should. Yeah, and get yeah, a lot fair. more too. Yeah. Um, have you done an episode with him? No, no, he's too expensive. We can't what do you? Him. What do you mean? Have we? <laughs> you would, you've watched them all. Yeah. You haven't released everything yet. So oh, I don't damn it! Don't let them behind the curtain. <laughs> anyway, sorry, you were saying, yeah, yeah. So he's able to uh, research all these different things, but obviously doesn't have the facility to recreate things. So um, gave me the challenge of doing it, and spent about three and a half years trying to figure it out, and eventually got the iterations and which you can get and sit on the backdrop. Um, but yeah, the, the kind of, other than the liquid side of it, the hook, line and sinker is you walk for three minutes this way, you have a really tall tower and that's actually where the recipe originally stemmed from. That may be the reasons why I moved from one side of the city to the other to get as close as humanly possible. Yeah, no way. That could um, be true. Maybe, yeah. Uh, but, and what you've created, we wouldn't, re I mean, I guess we wouldn't recognize it as whiskey now. It's, an, nope. it's Ishkabaha. And I mean, that's the name of the brand as well. It, it's recognizing uh, Puccina's whiskey. Yeah. From a heritage point, you yeah. taste it side by side, you would never say the word whiskey. Yeah. It's just uh, circumstances after circumstances, um, improving of uh, methods and improving of... Back then, they used herbs and spices to play with flavors. Eventually, they start being transported around. Casks replace those flavors. You have um, the likes of Mountain Dew up in the the north where the cask and contributes enough flavor that you don't need like a bog bean or herbs and spices. Yeah, because like and cloves and stuff like that would have been quite exotic at the yeah. time. Yeah, that's the reason why this was made in a cathedral where you have unbelievable amounts of wealth and the priests have loads of money. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's made for the likes of, say, Queen Elizabeth in the 1500s, because, again, you have money upon money upon money. Yeah. Um, but you eventually get recipes where they're using tinctures like uh, they take a small bit of saffron and they lengthen it out with a lot of booze. And that's put in like bitters into small proportions. So not only did the Irish invent whiskey, we also invented cocktails. Is that what you're <laughs> One can stem from the other because uh, bitters are history is all true apothecaries and apothecaries are just playing with herbs and spices for the water of life. They're trying to create elixirs to prolong your life. Yeah, uh, these alcohols in the 12, 13 and 1400s, they're essentially people trying to play with and extend your life. And that's why Aquavitae, water of life, Ishkabaha, water of life. Yeah. And you can, sorry, Aquavitae, sorry, I thought, hmm. yeah, Ishkabaha. But you can actually buy your Aquavitae online. It's commercially hmm. released, I think you're on yep. batch two or three now? Uh, Five. Oh no way! Wow, six um, on the pots. So if anyone does want to like try what mm. essentially could be deemed to be the original, mm. or, or the fun, yeah, the yeah. Or, yeah the, the, one of the original 
Irish, Irish whiskey. whiskies. Yeah. That's where to go. Uh, but And it's very much like a, what I would consider like a modern day, like French herbal liqueur sort of thing. Um, maybe not with the sugar content, but with the spice content, it's mad. If you've ever had uh, the original version of say chartreuse, it essentially eliminate the sugar from the process and it becomes bitter floral, almost like a herb garden that side of things um again that was monks as well wasn't it mm -hmm. yeah the monks. monks love it yeah I, do you know what the, my favorite monk invention is apart from book fast i mean dom dom you know dom oh, yeah. champagne well that's class chris you're you seem like you're doing like tons we know you're doing tons like for the general irish whiskey scene and kilkenny and then you've got the guild in kilkenny which you do a lot with you do a lot of tastings here you bring a lot of people all around ireland here uh like as like a focal point for it all. Um, I'm, I'm going to lower the tone slightly. Go for it. I mean, you, you do get a lot. You don't do so many stags and hen parties in here, I guess, anymore, do you? Or, or do you do quite a few? Craft beer naturally filters out certain people. <laughs> so is, is craft beer then another like kind of cornerstone of the of the a brewery, brewery corner. corner brewery corner yeah, yeah. What was you're putting that today in it, together eh? the <laughs> yeah, yeah. brewery corner probably do a bit of craft beer oh yeah <laughs> well there's loads of cocktails and whiskey it's not called cocktail corner um but tell that's a different section uh tell us a little bit about the the kind of beer the beer element i guess the, uh, local the beer, beer element the place is owned um by seamus o'hara from o'hara brewing um spoiler they're going there later um <laughs> uh, so the 11 of the taps that we have would be um uh, all o'hara's products uh, some of them constantly rotating depending on what experiments they're doing and then we have um five rotational taps one will always be a world beer we'll pull it from somewhere at the moment it's from croatia and the other four will be dedicated to Ireland, so different breweries, different um, SKUs, uh, constantly rotated. But once every three days, all five of them will have eventually swapped over once we get through the multitude of kegs on each line. And we have fun ourselves by turning up every day. There's either a new whiskey, a new beer, or we're doing new versions of Boilermakers. So it's constantly getting the guys to re-educate themselves and yeah, have some fun. Push, cool. push something a push, little push, bit push, different. Push. Yeah. Well, well, which is class, and I'm sure we're going to grab one of those beers shortly. But we always have a question. This yeah. is your favorite question. This is my favorite question. So, Chris, I know you've watched every episode diligently. Mm -hmm. So, uh, we do a thing called Room 101. So, at the end of each interview, we ask the interviewee uh, one thing that they would like to confine to Room 101 forever. That they, it's gone, shadows and dust. Lock it. Yeah, Key never gone. exists again. So... I mean, we've had people stealing your glassware. We've had people asking for a pint at a, a minute to close in time. The term mixologist the term was mixologist, there. Yeah. So what, what have you got for us? That really irks you. That grinds your gears. Uh, that grinds my gears. I was wondering if you were going to say it. Um, it would have to be uh, the cocktail balcony, I think, is the terminology for it, where you uh, have a station behind the bar and you get that one eager couple who come in only to sit directly in front of you and not to have a conversation with you to spend the next three hours going and what's that and what's that and what's this drink and every time you're trying to think to yourself the seven ingredients which is in a recipe they have to ask you about something that you've already done before and they have distracted so many bartenders from making so many very good drinks that they've probably as you're swiping the bottle you should probably connect with the tip of their nose <laughs> just, so just as a warning they've come in for dinner in a show they have come in to eat your patients yeah. as okay. their dinner. Yeah. I, I'm the thinking, cocktail I'm balcony, I've never heard I've of I've never heard that term, that, but it's that quite term. So that's, that's new. That's, now that's in the room, you know, beep, 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 gone. Code's forgotten. Yeah, people, you're stuck in there now <laughs> yeah. with, with the people who steal glassware. And it's just a room full of vape smoke. 
Ahoy. <laughs> so, yeah, but Chris, that was, uh, I think that was brilliant. Yeah, uh, uh, before you, you go, actually, or uh, on your way out, uh, you mentioned O'Hara's local brewery. Could you give us two of the, do they have a red ale? They do indeed. Yeah. Is that is that like what you would recommend? Uh, the Nitro Red, the creamy version, very similar to a pint of Kilkenny in Kilkenny, which is from Kilkenny, made in Dublin. Um, this would be more of a local version. Oh, okay. yeah. Mm. Love it. Creamy Kilkenny Red Ale made in Kilkenny. To match up with our 1952, Jameson. Yeah, let's do that. Oh, mine's yep. gone. Chris, thank you very much. Cheers. Cheers, no Chris. Cheers, it's all. And off he goes to work. So this is O'Hara's Red Ale Nitro Stout. Yeah, it actually not, had... Not, not, Stout nitro red ale. red ale, yeah. It actually had to settle though as well because Chris was pulling that yeah. and I was like, Oh, that actually I have to leave itself. Cheers. Mm. So delicious, made locally. Oh, quite honey, honey yeah. notes. That's lovely, actually. That is. Uh, I do like a red ale, they tend to be kind of a little bit lower in ABV. So yeah. if you're just having a couple or you know, whatever, um, can be quite a nice option to have in Kilkenny so far. We've been talking <clears throat> quite a lot about like its history, its heritage castles old books old stuff old Latin. stuff but uh, as we actually walked around earlier there's quite like a lot of modern cool wee things we actually had like this really cool coffee shop had yeah. a couple of they have their own roastery cake, cake face cake face yeah. yeah and they do very good cake as well as one would expect but not yeah. too many faces there was less faces on cakes than i was expecting yeah yeah but it was a specialty roastery and so it's like quite a coolly modern town but then i suppose the question is where in ireland doesn't have their own specialty coffee place these yeah i days? mean even dundalk had had some yeah uh, ireland has developed quite a culture in the last number of years for coffee uh, for coffee yeah I mean, irish people leave and we come back you know we, we've gone away we've gone to the homes of coffee in australia and places like that and we've come back i mean i was in dublin the other day and i was in a particular coffee shop and I like my coffee. I went in and I was chatting to the guy. There was nobody else in. And he was like, oh, we have this geisha coffee. You know, it's like a pour over geisha. So geisha coffee is like a, a very high end. Yeah, yeah. You know. Like rare, hard to find. Yeah. yeah. And you, wouldn't, you wouldn't get too many places in Dublin. No. So we were just having a chat. And he goes, would you like the geisha coffee? And he's like, oh, yeah, sure. And I expected it to be a little bit more expensive. It was 12 quid. It was 12 euro. I went up afterwards. I was like, right. Mm. Yeah, you did me there. No, yeah, because it was very good. But but it was still like, oh, you digging the ribs and you're like, oh, like four euro I thought was expensive. Four euro is, is mental yeah. uh, these days. because But that's what it costs everywhere. And Well, they actually say, just like in the coffee culture world, they say we are in the third wave of the coffee culture. Boom. Yeah. And essentially what that means is we are like in this third wave. It's all about like high product specialty grown small farms knowing the origin um whereas the second wave was like whatever starbucks starbucks yeah starting in seattle okay and like like them or lump them they're the ones who kind of created all this coffee the, the modern coffee culture yeah. yeah they they went they built out the macro and, it, and you know the micro comes from that i guess yeah because i think the coffee culture in the u.s prior to that for <laughs> example was a lot of like that filter drip coffee uh, Dunkin' Donuts, that, that kind of stuff. Which is still there. Yeah. But, you know, that speciality side, even when I used to live in New York, which was about 12 years ago, I used to buy the three liter boxes from Dunkin' Donuts of like boxed coffee. As in it was made. So it was pre-made, pre-made filter coffee in this big box, like with the wee, like pour spout at the end. And I used to just stick it in the microwave and drink that before I went to work. Fuck. I know, it's very different now. Oh, what, uh, what are you meant to do with that? I think you were meant to microwave it. Oh, my sweet Jesus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think 
obviously working in drinks. So the first thing I got into before, like whiskey and drinks, yeah. I got into coffee originally. Okay. And I think there's a lot of overlap in terms of, you know, we, we were kind of, you talk, coffee talks about single origin, single estate. I think whiskey is moving towards that. And obviously wine has a lot of, you know, that single we're origin. Also in the in the terminology of flavor, flavor lexicon, yeah. like uh, esters, congeners. <clears throat> but when you told me this story, which is brilliant, when you were getting into coffee, you still had some instant coffee when you were living on the ship. Oh, and a friend of mine, he, if we, if we like the finer things in life, yeah. he likes the, whatever the opposite of that is. You know, he likes to be down in the muck. <laughs> and oh, he used to steal my instant coffee because I used to buy nice instant coffee. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the slightly more expensive one. And he used to always steal it. And but his like the not, granules, yeah, the granules, yeah. yeah but his, his his thing was like the cheaper the better, was, you know, <laughs> was what was what he wanted. So one day I changed out all the granules for gravy granules, <laughs> and he still drank it. No, he, he got he got about three sips into it, and we like, something wrong with that. <laughs> Class. So I mean, I can't it, wait to meet him in in Ireland. We have in the last number of years we've developed a coffee culture. Yeah, where does it come from? I guess you look at the amount of people who have gone and lived in Australia, yeah. for example. I remember. Well, they do say Melbourne is the coffee capital of the world. Yeah, like they, flat whites were invented in Australia, and they take it so seriously. Yeah, but you you have this wave of uh, immigrants post World War Two. You know, Greek and Italian specifically moving to Melbourne and bringing that culture with mm. them. Uh, so when you go to, I think it's it's Richmond, maybe I think it's the area. Yeah, it's in Melbourne. I used to live there. Actually. Yeah, I think that's that's the kind of Italian area in Melbourne. I remember when I went to Melbourne, and I was like, right. I was like, this is probably eight, nine years ago. So before mm-hmm. it really, really kicked off here in Ireland, it was quite impressive to see the number of speciality coffee shops. And one of my favorite things, you know this, my favorite thing about Australian coffee culture is uh, Starbucks tried to set up in, in, in yeah, Australia yeah. and they had to shut down loads of, because Australians were like, nah, not Yeah, because they support their own independence and their own chains uh, better, which for a blade of them. Um, and like everything that we now kind of look at in terms of like coffee culture in Ireland, stems from australia like we have the australian coffee culture over here yeah not to the same degree but like i said flat whites and stuff because the italian coffee culture is very different than what we have in ireland yeah it's it's espresso it's standing up i mean (laughs) i was in italy recently and you do feel very italian you just go into an espresso bar you drink a little espresso and you just go that's only a couple of quid the price is protected by law so the most you can charge, I think, for a, a sit-down espresso is like a euro or 120 or something. And the most you can charge for a, or sorry, a sit-down espresso is two euro. And the most you can charge for a stand-up is like 120, 140, something like that. No way. So I, I remember we were in a beach club and I think it cost us, I don't know, 40 quid to be in the beach club for the day. But the coffee was still a euro. If you were standing. If you were, well, yeah, if you were standing. You know what, yeah, because you just have a quick one. There's a couple of venues in London, old Italian ones. If you come in and you just order it at the bar and it's just, it's just a pound. Yeah, it's class. Love it. Ah, like that. We don't have value. I feel like we don't. We have very little value like that. Yeah, but you also wouldn't order a flat white in Italy. Like classically, they wouldn't really appreciate that. And then after midday, if oh, you order milk well, we, in any form. Yeah, we ordered. Uh, we were out with friends when we were over there. And one of the girls with her dinner. So this is about six o'clock, seven o'clock in the evening, which is very early for an Italian dinner to be. To be yeah. There. After dinner, she, she asked for a cappuccino. And he was like, what's your dinner? You want a cappuccino? And then he went, oh, I'm so sorry, my Italian came out. He goes, yeah, cappuccino, no problem. Uh, Which is true. They kind of only have espresso after dinner. And then the chin. After 12, after 12 in the day, you're yeah. done with cappuccinos. 
And um, sometimes what they will do as well, uh, maybe I, I don't know if it's done all the time or whether it's just special occasions or weekends, but uh, they might wash out their espresso cup with limoncello or uh, sambuca and just knock it back, like just knock it back. Right. I mean, why not? Yeah, and we would probably like read that and be like, oh my God, Jesus, they're just necking stuff. I was like, no, they still have a better uh, acceptance of alcohol than we do. Yeah, yeah. So they know they're what much, they're doing. They're much better dealing with it because we can't have nice things. But we definitely can't. But it is definitely, it has seeped into the drinks culture in the likes of Australia. You see a lot more coffee yeah. cocktails and stuff in Australia. Yeah, loads more. Yeah, uh, there's a bar, I think it's in Sydney called Maybe Sammy, Top 50. And Martin Hudink, he won the World's Coffee uh, roasting championship world coffee was championship. the Aeropress championship or something it wasn't Aeropress I think it was genuinely just okay. the overall coffee but yeah. he used to work at the Savoy so he was a world class cocktail bartender and had won the the coffee world cup and he he's got a book about coffee cocktails and he's pretty much the number one in my opinion on both and he lives in Australia and I think he's just smashing it out of the park by bringing them two together well it just shows you the overlap between the two I guess and I think the funny thing we look at Ireland right so what are the oh what's the most uh what's Ireland m- most well known for in terms of uh cocktails I Irish guess. coffee Irish coffee it is a coffee cocktail it is uh what is the most popular cocktail in Ireland it has coffee in it oh espresso martini yeah yeah sorry I was like really it's like oh is it the Belfast coffee no is it is it called the banshee it's the espresso, no, it's the espresso martini. martini you go into any bar in Dublin uh Cork Galway whatever mm. and if they're making cocktails that the well, you know, the, the service area is just filled with empty, empty martini glasses. Yeah, with coffee beans all over the yeah, top of the yeah, bar. Yeah, yeah. It's a bloody brilliant uh, drink. It is. And I think you will know this better than I do. Bartenders tend to hate making them these days. It kind of depends. I think it once upon a time was because then a lot of people would have had to draw the coffee up. and like, where's the espresso machine or where's the kettle? Now, because of its popularity, a lot of people will just probably have a bottle of coffee pre-done ideally in the morning or before their shift so it's cooled down a bit because you don't want to be putting hot coffee in with ice yeah because then it'll just melt and you can't control the dilution um but it is a brilliant drink i love a good espresso martini it is funny again irish people we do travel quite a lot and it is funny to see the those kind of elements of the coffee culture coming back from other countries mm. as well we have vietnamese iced coffee which is well vietnamese coffee is just so different from the Italian and even the Australian side. Yeah, it's it's the second largest producer in the world of of coffee beans, but it's it's the uh, robusta beans, yeah. which are the kind of ones you make instant. They're from. number one in the world for export. That's the number, where it comes the from. number one in the world for export for for that robusta coffee okay. bean specifically yeah, yeah. is number one, which is mad. And then uh, a Vietnamese iced coffee is condensed milk, condensed I think, milk, yeah. over ice. Uh, a little bit sweeter, but like beautiful drink. Yeah, and they're condensed milk because Vietnam's so hot. Not got a big thing of dairy. Yeah, like, most. I mean, th- th- we're the exception. Uh, in the fifty-one percent of the world are lactose intolerant, and we're not. We're, we're not. Us, us, and Denmark have the highest level as of non-lactose intolerance. No way. Well, if you look at how Ireland developed, no, I know, but I didn't know that. It's just cows and dairy. Yeah, so we're actually <laughs> in the mi- minority. Uh, so by by being non-lactose intolerant, because no. most of Asia and a lot of Africa tend to be lactose intolerant, and we're not. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Unbelievable. That's legendary. Last bit of mad coffee stuff that we spoke about once. And your partner, Jen, mentioned this one, which I think is just, it's just really economic diversification. This is the Thailand one. Yeah, this is mad. So we were in Chiang Mai recently, which is the second biggest city in Thailand. Thailand doesn't have massive cities like Chiang Mai, 
compared to Bangkok. You go to Bangkok, it feels like it is a, a mega city. You go to Chiang Mai, it's like, oh, it's kind of a big town. Um, <laughs> but it is a beautiful place, beautiful part of the world. And it's become a real hub for uh, no, digital nomads and mm. expats and this kind of thing. But one of the reasons was the king of Thailand, the old king, he died a few years back. Big, Everybody was a big fan of him. He basically, everybody up there was growing heroin and weed. All right. So they all the farmers, because it was a high price, they were getting a high price. Like poppies and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yes. Opium. Yeah. 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 Grown poppies and that kind of crack. So which is illegal. Which is illegal in, in more or less all countries. <laughs> and what the king wanted to do was get people to move away from that illegal product to something that you know, was legal. So he got them to all move to coffee and to grow coffee because the conditions are, are pretty good for it. So in Chiang Mai now, there's these, there's a massive explosion of coffee shops and like really good specialist independent coffee shops up there as well. But that only makes sense because you have so many digital nomads and these kind of people. And like almost, it, like it's an influencer hotspot. It and Bali are, there's great Wi-Fi and it happened after COVID. They all could work abroad doing marketing, photography, etc. Yeah. from these places. But I didn't know that Chiang Mai had diversified from like poppy fields to coffee fields to probably make more money. I don't know if you, I don't know if there's more money in coffee than heroin. I, I know more people <laughs> who drink coffee than opium. You know, there's probably more lads out there selling heroin, driving BMWs than there are selling coffee. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know, 12 euro uh, like a cup <laughs> in Dublin, you never know. Uh, you never know, you never but, know. you know, you heard it here first. Coffee's doing well. Yeah, coffee's doing well. Would you like a, would you like a little snack? Have a little snack for you. Yeah, yeah. I actually can't even see it. I'm so excited. Where is it? Welcome to Mix Pyramid of Snacks. Oh, I love this bit. Yeah, love this bit. So on the pyramid, uh -huh. um, currently at the apex of the pyramid. Oysters. oysters. And we've actually been getting a bit of grief about the oysters. People are saying that we have notions. Juan away with those oysters at the top of it. People aren't too happy with it. Oh, well, that's not really my problem. Uh, and then at the, at the bottom... Yeah. In danger today. Mm. All right, the one that's in peril is the uh, dairy milk bar. Oh, it's the bottom. Yeah, it's the bottom. Because oh. we've, we've moved away from chocolate and we yeah. moved to like salty, savory. Yeah, savory. At the moment, it's a lot of crisps. And of course, an oyster is quite a savory, yeah. salty kind of thing as well. Um, and today we have something that is quite quite salty as well, I guess. Okay. Yeah, so uh, producer Agostina, if you would. Uh, so today we have pepperami. Mm, so okay uh are you familiar with pepperami i i know what they are i've never had one they are sticks of meat <laughs> uh so this is made with 100 percent, mm. yeah 100 pork uh okay and you can see on the front like they're big thing at the moment so they've obviously tried to rebrand a little bit and they're all about the protein kick because oh, everything yeah. just stick the word protein on something these days and that will it's healthier it's healthier yeah and people have that impression all right so i did before i left london i did see that there was a whole beer stick craze where it was like fancy salami and fancy stuff and it was in like a pint glass like straws and some people would stick it in their beer or some people would eat it alongside their beers in accompaniment right well alongside is fine i mean i'm, I'm okay with this as a snack all right okay. so 117 calories per stick around since 1979 uh, 100 percent pork Mine says 112 calories per stick or whatever whatever i'm just saying like maybe i have a low fat one yeah you have the low calorie stick um so you have to take the plastic off it as well made the smell it, well it's to keep it fresh no but i can why well, can i smell it it looks like it. a little cigar <laughs> yeah you're gonna have a little so have a little taste of your meat stick what do you think of that Mm -hmm. salty kind of 
it, it is 100% pork. It does feel quite processed, I will say. No way. Uh, I actually wasn't sure if I had taken the plastic off it. So, <laughs> it kind of tastes <laughs> like a, a very small, cold hot dog. Yeah, it does. Uh, slightly hard. Do you know what? There's there's kind of grease on it. There's uh, like there's a film of stuff on it. Uh, look, it's your it's your pyramid. So I'll put it down to whatever you want. Yeah. Do you know what? That's less pleasant than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, that's not good. It wasn't good. Um, and I'm I'm actually fond of meat as a snack. With and we'll we'll talk about that in another episode, perhaps in the future. But the pepperoni here does it original. make it onto the pyramid? Nah. No, it doesn't. Good. Are you gonna like? You're not gonna tell me that's better than a dairy milk. No, it's definitely not. And not like, even close. And if you're picking that over a dairy milk, you know, either you're just trying to get your protein intake up for the day, or have a word with yourself. Yeah. If you right, are. So on mixed pyramid of snacks, we're gonna stay as we are. Stay as we are. Good call. Yeah. All right. Fuck off. So to close out the show, uh, you have your segment. I have my segment. I have our segment. Our segment. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. This podcast does involve you as well. Um, <laughs> so what I thought we'd do this week, I thought we'd do Distillers on the Ditch. Yes. So a very popular segment. Always. Yeah, it is. I think it's important to give a little bit of light to lesser known distilleries. Yeah, because there's known loads brands. around the country that maybe aren't like the number one on social media or like have the biggest marketing budget. So um, we just and, find out who they are. And there's four, there's 40 something distilleries now in Ireland. If ah. you ask me to name them, I could not do that. And I work in the industry and I don't think, I, I don't think you could either. I don't think we need to. I don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> so what's today's distillers <laughs> on the ditch? So the today, because we're in Kilkenny, so mm-hmm. we're going to pick the first distillery to open up in Kilkenny in 200 years. No way. So a distillery called Ballykeef Distillery. Yeah, heard of it, yeah. Uh, so it's about 15, 20 minutes out the road here. They've got a wee horse and cart. On their label. On their label, yeah. yeah. So it is a farm distillery. It is a farm to glass distillery. Nice. Grow all their barley out there. Um, and distill it on their own estate. Distill it on that. their own estate. I think they mature it out, a lot of it out there as well. Class. Uh, and then one of the cool things is because it is a farm, they take the giraffe, mm. which is the... Um, a leftover it's a byproduct of the of the whiskey produ- yeah of, of production um and they use that to feed the cattle and it's quite a good nutritious feed for cattle and then uh, they sell those they sell those cattle as steaks oh that's such a holistic approach yeah. to the whole to the whole process to the whole process uh they have pot still they have malt vodka yeah. pot changing yeah they've been around for about six years now not one that we're we tend to see huge amount of it's not it's not really widely available mm. uh, they brought out their first kind of first release their first three-year-old about three years ago there thereabouts um and that was kind of around the 400 quid mark yes saucy saucy yeah but you can get their continuously available single malt and single for, pot still now for a more reasonable price yeah i think it's about 60 quid okay 46 cool. percent abv but yeah 450 is a spicy meatball isn't it that is yeah and Look, I think this is the thing. There's so many distilleries opening up now in Ireland. Everybody's first release is special. Absolutely. You're fighting in a very... Yeah, you're fighting in a very crowded market, you know? Uh, I think we've taken... You know, people have looked at the past and gone, well, that's old for that. Mm. So this will obviously sell for this much. Yeah. Uh, but Ballykeef, can you can do tours, can you? And yeah, check I, think, it out. I think you can do tours. Yeah, I've been down there for a tour. We went as part of a, a bigger group. So really, really nice setup. You know, Italian does kind of Italian stills. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, there's a lot of like a lot of money, a lot of investment gone into it. Class, but it is it is really cool. There was a guy from uh, Chase Vodka. You, oh you, yeah, from yeah. working in London, you'd probably know Chase. Yeah, very well. very famous. Yeah, yeah. Um, not one I would have known about. And he he had been there. He was there when I went down for a tour. But really really uh, smart guy, and kind of gave us a tour around and gave us the the full lowdown on how we, they were doing the distillation process. I think now he's moved on. There's mm. somebody else there. But it is a it's a cool one. Um, and it is. One of the first kind of grain to glass distilleries. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I like that. Hopefully, we'll see a bit more of Ballykeefe uh, on shelves and stuff. Yeah, because the they do a years. slow gin, they do a putching, they do a they do a variety of different a moonshine. Things. Yeah, I think they do a moonshine. Curious, but the Kilkenny Whiskey Centre, or sorry, the Kilkenny Wine Centre, yeah. is one of the only places you can get it because I don't think they're I think they're sold out on Irish malts and they're sold okay, out on cool. Celtic whiskey. But yeah, just one to keep an eye on. Yeah, have we uh, have we looked? I haven't been yet, so maybe I'll go and check them out myself. Yeah, do that, do that. Uh, but that's uh, Ballykeefe. We're in Kilkenny. <laughs> Why wouldn't we do a Kilkenny distillery? Absolutely. And here, that's the end of the episode. Sorry to tell you. Oh, so sorry. Yeah, I know. Uh, a huge thanks to Chris uh, and the folk at Brewery Corner and all the lovely people we've met today in Kilkenny so far. It's been a great episode. It's been a... They're all great episodes. They are. It's like, it's like dogs. He's a good dog. They're all good dogs. They're all good dogs. Thanks very much for listening to the podcast. We will see you next time out. Yeah, and if you enjoyed listening to this, uh, give us five stars and a wee rating on Spotify. We love that. Yeah, we love that. It does make a difference. It definitely does make a difference. We appreciate it. Okay. Ciao. Ciao. Thank you. Bye. 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 Pepperami in my teeth. <laughs> <laughs>